to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm joined by my three co-hosts, David, Jordan, and Brady. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to throw it over to Jordan, who's going to give a little bit of information about a launch of our new website. Yes, that's right. You heard it here first. ThursdayNight.com is your new source for all things Georgia State sports. We're going to have blogs, articles, game recaps, and much more in the works. By the time this podcast goes live, it should be up and ready for you guys to go enjoy. Like, share, comment, subscribe, anything you see on there. We're more than willing to take any feedback you guys have because, again, this isn't just for us. It's for the whole Panther family. So go on, check it out, and get involved with us. There's a way for you to submit content you'd like to see, ideas, or if you have any tips on things that we might want to know about, well, you're welcome to submit it to us using the contact form. So go check it out, and we're looking forward to giving you guys some good content. And that being said, uh, gentlemen, let's talk about basketball. I like basketball. Favorite sport, dribble up, down the court, etc. <laughs> I like I, second half Panthers basketball. I'm not yeah. as big of a fan as first half Panthers basketball. Well, I mean, hey, I, I'll say one thing about first half Panthers basketball. When apparently Steph Curry comes back to play college basketball again under the guise of a South Alabama basketball player, what are you going to do, right? So it was a... It was a weird first half. Uh, I mean, because we weren't doing anything bad on offense against South Alabama. Near the end of the half, things started going a little bit where we just stopped making shots and started fouling a bunch. Um, but I can't. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with David. I mean, it's not as bad of a first half as that scoreline would make you think. Like you'd see that and you just like go ghastly, like oh my god. But like offensively, like they couldn't really stop us either most of the half. No, they really couldn't. And I mean, the funny part is at the end of the day, Georgia State scored 90 points and Demarcus Simons only had 10 of them, which doesn't really make sense if you think about that. I do think the way that this team is constructed. So the fact that they were still able to put up a shootout and their best player, I I don't want to say he wasn't a factor. He obviously was a factor, um, but, you know, he only had. 10 points, six rebounds, five, five assists for the game. Five assists and what he did on defense. Uh, no, he absolutely. And uh, that's the thing. He, uh, on the offensive side, really got going in the second half. Uh, when Georgia State had 75 points, he only had eight, he had eight of them. You know, so even, you know, really down the stretch and putting the game away, you know, it's not that he wasn't a factor, but he was just doing a lot of things that were not indicative of him scoring. So if that's the type of games that Georgia State, if those are the type of ways that Georgia State needs to win games, then, hey, so be it. Sometimes times you're going to need to have Malik step up and score 26 and you know Jeff he heard us he heard us in last week's podcast because he had 21 and his three-point shooting numbers this week were fantastic so keep doing that Jeff and that's the thing is we needed some of these games going down the stretch to have the seniors step like it's got to be their team they've got to do it and that's exactly what happened this week Malik was that guy in the second half Jeff Thomas all game hitting big shots, taking big shots. And again, everyone was doing work on defense in the second half. I mean, you don't just hold a team to 28 points and a half because the law of averages is going to average out the shooting. Were they going to shoot 63% from three all game, no matter what we did? No, that, I mean, they were always going to fall off. We did a lot of good to make them fall off as well. 
Shout out Damon Wilson, by the way. I mean, he didn't score definitely, at all, but he is basically the entire reason the defense like changed itself from right before the first half ended to the entire second half. So Damon Wilson is probably my player of the game because he was fantastic. So, and that. I don't want to be down in games, especially you know in Nola. But like, if we're in that situation where we need to go to a press, like I don't know who else in the conference I would put up against Kane and Damon leading that press up the court. Cause I mean, they're just ferocious and just forces big long arms playing aggressively. Like once you get to that mid court line, watch out. I do want to mention just the idea that both the last two second halves, we joked about it, but like, seriously, those second halves are the prototype for how we win this conference, how we win more games this year going away rather than, you know, coming back or it's late. Like, if we can replicate that out of the gate of a game, you know, we've got some teams coming up where we do that in the first 10 minutes of the first half rather than the first 10 minutes of the second half. And it's a 30 point win, or it's just not a close game down the stretch. It's something we might want to look forward to happening this week. I mean, it's not out of our reach. It's not like there's anything that says we have to play that way only in the second half. Absolutely. Yes. I don't want to say app state is a pushover. It's not, it's a Sunbelt road game, but I also don't want to say that Georgia state shouldn't win this game comfortably. Um, they, they should win this game comfortably. I think I just spoke in a double negative. So expectations whatever. are um, a fair thing. They are. And, and that's an expectation. I mean, teams are nine and 16 for a reason. We're 18 and eight for a reason. Show it. Absolutely. Like that's at the end of the day, these are the wins that you have to just pick up, you know? So that'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting because apparently uh, before last year, Boone, North Carolina was just the worst place for Georgia state basketball to play uh, for whatever reason, regardless of how good they were. Well, you know what they say? It was a bugaboon. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that was terrible. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see this weekend though. Um, but speaking of how the Panthers play, Brady, you had a new segment idea for the Thursday night podcast. I am too excited about this and it's totally lame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, lame is good. Looking for, looking for a way to just, you know, succinctly talk about the upcoming games tie it into Georgia state for those of you unawares. And for those who are the main defense we play at Georgia state is called two, three matchup zone, which don't need to get into the uh, particulars of that. Um, and there will be a whole nother lecture podcast series hosted by your own <laughs> Brady Weiler as well. Upcoming and will be posted exclusively on Thursday night.com. Thursday night.com. That's T H E R S D A Y. N I G H.com. Thursday the idea night is we are going to talk about two things that are going to stand out for the upcoming game. In this case, it'll be the app state game on Thursday, as far as the other team goes. And then three things that stand out as far as what we need to do or what we particularly need to talk about that week. And so we are debuting now the two, three matchup zone. This is such a great idea. I love it. You want to kick us off? So let's start with the two. I, for app, the thing that has been the biggest bellwether for App State, as far as I can see in their games, uh, from what I've seen and what I've read on their box scores, is if they shoot the ball well, they have a decent chance of winning. Every game, pretty much, they've lost, especially in conference play, they've shot poorly from the field and or from three. So if it's a game like we know we can do where we hold them around or under 30, 40% from the floor, you know, not 
30% from three, whatever. Like I feel pretty good, especially because our offense just scored 90. So that's something that really would stand out to me. And I guess in general, and David can talk a little about this now is just the star player they have, Ron Shad Shabazz. So he's, he's a lot of fun. He's definitely their leading scorer. Uh, he is a point guard. I mean, I love point guards. This is basically my favorite position. Um, there's basically nothing he doesn't do well. You know, he's shooting the ball from an exceptional clip from the floor. He's also really good at free throws. His three point percentage is the best that's basically ever been. So, you know, that always works. And it, it seems every time he plays Georgia state, it's he's going to drop like 20, 25 points. And I think as long as they Georgia state continues this idea of letting one guy just have his, get his buckets and they control the rest of the team. I think they will be fine. Honestly, Um, I'm not too worried about it at the end of the day. It's okay to let one player go off and let, you know, as long as you can control what everybody else does. So, I mean, he's only a junior. Say that again. I said he's only a junior, so we would have only played him. Probably this will be our, what, sixth total time seeing him. Yes. yes, I've got the same feeling as David. I mean, maybe it's one of those things that it's just a feeling, you know? Yeah. He's definitely been their guy for a couple of years where it's been, he's going to be the guy they're going to look to. Right. And I mean, that's, it's fine. It's, it's okay. Obviously that is, you know, we, Georgia state has those players too, you know, but I feel like specifically with this team and specifically with Ron Shad, it's like every single year we play app state and it's, you know, he's going for 25 or, you know, 26. And, you know, I just, I would like to see Georgia's and, and it's nice this year. App state actually has three scores, you know, in double figures, uh, Tyrell Johnson is he's at 9.2. So I'll give it to you, Tyrell, you know, almost four. They're scoring a lot more this year than they have in, you know, recent memory. Um, their three point percentage is around the 36% mark. So, you know, it's good. They shoot free throws uh, reasonably well. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, if we can continue to play defense like we can, if we can continue to force the ball, not into, you know, obviously the Georgia State just gave up 81 points to South Alabama, but, you know, be smart with how you spread out their scoring. Because as you saw in the South Alabama game, you can spread out another team's scoring to the point where it's not affecting you. And you also obviously need to keep pace with them. And that's what they did. So I think Georgia State can do that. Again, it's a Sunbelt Road game. We'll see. Uh, but I still think they can come away with the win, and they should. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in here and just following the segment, you know, segment God. Uh, talking what you're talking about, I mean, the things we need to do offensively, keeping up the ball movement like we had the last game and the second half of Troy as well. I mean, we're back on the road. So we can't pretend we're a different team. I mean, there's times where it's like you go, you play so well at home and then you go on the road and it's a different team. And it's just not a good strategy to just (laughs) go away from what works. That's an obvious thing to say, but can't let that change how we've been playing successfully. I mean, it's not a team that's really been able to stop other teams in upstate. I mean, they, their defense, they're giving up 79 a game. They're giving up a decent clip from the floor. Demarcus and Kane should have some lanes to drive in, and we're going to need that. Not even just scoring, but just getting in there and then popping back out to the shooters. I mean, as with any team that struggles defensively, it's possible they're going to zone us. Um, 
where the driving won't be necessary, but like we still need them to be aggressively trying to get into the paint. And I think that that can lead to some good things happening. And, and here's what I'll say to that effect. One thing I've noticed about Georgia state this year is they're a little bit slow to react to what that other team is giving them, you know? Um, and it goes back to your first point about ball movement. Whereas when teams want to take away that drive, Georgia state will continue to drive. And when teams want to kind of spread out a little bit and, you know, kind of press up on those three point attempts, Georgia state will still be taking threes instead of looking to switch. And I mean, I get it. You know, you want to, you take the shot you're most comfortable in, in the moment, you know, that's fine. But at the same time though, they got to make that adjustment a little bit quicker. And I mean, it was fantastic in the South Alabama game because they got a little bit more transition heavy. They went a little bit more up tempo. They were better in transition. And I, I would hope to see that. I would love to see that when they play App State this weekend. Not this weekend, I, on Thursday. I think it's, not, it's not the NBA, so maybe 23 assists is unrealistic every game, but something resembling that, like what we had against South Alabama, would spell good things out. Right, and I just wanted to add about, you know, when we've seen, kind of leading into um, this third uh, part of our portion of the matchup zone, um, you know, playing, just playing every possession like it's the beginning of the second half where we've seen so many times that this team comes out of the half with an amazing you know uh you know fire they're playing with and then all these great second half adjustments if we can play with that same intensity which leads back into getting more guys involved finding that extra open shooter passing the ball for that one more extra pass to go from a good shot to a great shot that's part of the uh, offensive identity that i feel like this team has we've seen when it's when our team is rolling then that's part of a core part of our identity and when we get away from that and kind of get into a little bit of hero ball with Demarcus and just you know taking lazy shot attempts rather than doing the extra work to find that that really good solid shot attempt is going to help us a lot on offense and stay consistent through both halves of the game not just the second half and I think that's that is you know you, you make a great point and that is why I loved the way that Jeff played on set or uh, on Friday because the thing that uh, I guess I want to use the word frustrates me about Jeff's game is Jeff's game is so great but at the same time though when he's not taking threes he stops doing all those other little things that he does really well on offense you know cleaning up you know those boards getting those putbacks you know taking that dribble three times inside to the baseline and then that little you know 10 foot shot those he makes those shots he makes those shots very consistently you know so we'll see we'll see what happens it should be fun it should be a fun weekend it's time to talk about the rivalry i mean hate week <laughs> oh yes started of course it. of course how could i forget it's hate pants week over chance pants over chance it's in it's in there. Um, jo- jokes aside, jokes aside, I feel like, you know, no disrespect to Coastal Carolina. They're playing really well, but they their midseason kind of a hot streak has definitely cooled off a little bit. I feel like this is opportune timing for Georgia State to get two really solid wins on the road and then come back for this last homestand and then take that momentum into our final road game against Southern. And just kind of this is another game that, you know, like I said, no disrespect to Coastal Carolina, but this is a game that I feel that Georgia State has every opportunity to go on the road and win. And if they do that, then they can take that energy and snowball it and try and make a, a strong push towards the end of the season. And I mean, the Texas schools play the Louisiana schools this week. So we can't bet on anyone beating Texas State right now because they're playing really well. But it's a good set of teams if we're trying to get some help. So, you know, win our two games 
let's see where the cards fall with the Texas schools playing and see if either of Louisiana schools will help us out, knocking them out of uh, first place, knocking Texas Arlington further down, helping us secure the double bye. So, I mean, that's all you can do at this time of year, just win your games and just scoreboard watch a little and just hope you get some help. But there's nothing about this week that we can't just go to and I mean, if we want to be NCAA tournament team, like we have to approach these games professionally and handle them, but we have to have bigger goals and just, you know, we have to be able to get through this week. Um, I think we could do another, like one more major talking point about coastal. They've got, you know, a cut person and they've, they're a good three point shooting team. So I, I wish Georgia state has matched up well against this year. Like we've been very well, well very good at, yeah. In, in flat in game against opponents we're supposed to beat, that's how we beat them is limit them on the perimeter and make them drive yeah. inside for bad shots. Just just make them take contested shots. Uh, don't let them get this goes for both games. I mean, don't let either team get rolling from three early. And that goes back to the defense. I mean, both these teams can shoot the three. And especially if they get confident, especially in front of a home crowd. The easiest thing is just start out fast and don't let them see the shot go in consistently and we can be in a good place uh, i think the biggest thing that will help us in this game upcoming on saturday against coastal carolina is to remember that when they were hot in the in you know early february late january they were playing really good basketball they were taking and making a lot of threes and georgia state has uh at least on the defensive end kind of lived and died by our perimeter defense so i think that they definitely have an opportunity if they get out to a hot shooting start um and start making some some shots in our faces uh against in in their home uh, with their home crowd uh being a factor for sure that's definitely a recipe for disaster for the panthers so perimeter defense is going to be my kind of key to the game previewing looking forward um so if we can get out to a really solid uh defensive start and you know i'm cool with them taking threes i'm just not cool with them making them so making them at least work for it a little bit um and keeping that perimeter shooting in check i think is our defensive kind of key to the game yeah let's do it uh so that was with that being said uh we're going to kick it over to some of our coverage from junior day take it away jordan all right. So uh, as you may know, if you follow uh, Georgia State sports, uh, we hosted Junior Day this past weekend at the stadium. Uh, they were expecting maybe 100, 150 uh, juniors from around the state to show up. Uh, ben Moore over at PantherTalk.com has done a lot of reporting on this uh, over the past week or so. And according to him, over 300 juniors came and toured the stadium, saw the rest of the facilities, including the football operation suite that's being under construction right now, uh, met with coaches, a couple people left with offers, actually. And the uh, reaction from the juniors was really, really positive. If you go on Twitter and you can look at the official class hashtag, which is hashtag witness 2020, you'll see a lot of them posting their thoughts, pictures of the event. Uh, it seems to me and everything that I've seen, it's, it was a really, really positive event and got a lot of in-state talent really excited about this program. And that's something we have desperately needed for a very long time. So I just want to take a second and kind of self-identify that I don't really know as much as maybe some other people on this podcast about kind of the nitty gritty and ins and outs of collegiate recruiting. Um, but maybe can one of you speak uh, and maybe educate me on kind of how important is this for Georgia State kind of establishing a recruiting presence uh, in 
especially in state. Um, I don't really were there any out of state uh, junior uh, prospective recruits coming joining here. Can you just kind of give me a little bit more about kind of what junior day is? Because I'm will be honest, I didn't even know that this was a thing before I saw that it happened. So junior day is really kind of like an open house for the program, so to speak. A lot of these guys are still very early in the recruiting process, especially if they're like two or three stars. Uh, according to the list that uh, Ben Moore's got up here on the Panther Talk thread that I'm reading right now, uh, there's a couple people from Alabama, South Carolina, but the vast majority are uh, Georgia kids. I see some Brookwood, Southwest DeKalb, Alatoona, Roswell, Harrison, uh, a whole bunch of local Metro Atlanta high schools. I know, uh, I think it was back in the Trent Miles uh, football administration, they talked about building a fence around Metro Atlanta. And that's not really something that was really achieved with any large degree of success. But it's it's events like this where you have students and you have their parents and they come in and they see the facilities and they get to talk to the coaches. And they get a feel for what it's like to be a part of the program. Anytime you can have a lot of them come in and generate positive press about the program. They'll tell their friends. And that's how we ended up with having apparently 300 of these guys show up on campus this weekend is they were posting pictures. They were inviting their friends, people on their team, on other teams they know, saying, hey, come on out to Georgia State. Come see what it's all about. Come with me. Let's let's see what's going on. And we might leave with an offer, might leave with the ability to maintain an open communication with this football staff and see if maybe Georgia State's a place where I want to play football. And that's not really something that I've seen a whole lot happen in the history of this program. Maybe I'm just not super in the know, but this is really the first time I've seen something to this degree of success. It jumped. It popped. Right. And the other thing is, I guess, functionally, why junior day is just senior year senior season is like the most important season for high school recruits going into college. Like you can have an offer. You can have a lot of teams interested. And if you kind of fizzle out your senior year, it kind of hurts your stock of a fair amount. So we want to get them in as juniors, as younger guys. And then by the time senior year comes around, if they have a good year and we were good to them, no matter who else comes calling, if we've got that relationship, we started early. That speaks volumes because recruiting is about relationships. I don't know everything about recruiting and I'm not, you know, evaluating offensive line tape all day. But I know that the relationships is ultimately what gets the kids to sign their national letters of intent. It super does like that, you know, and that's why having, you know, good coaches who can speak well, having them communicate well with the kids, with the families and present themselves well. And it's a, it's both sides. You know, you have families that ruin recruitments for their kids and you have coaches who, you know, shouldn't even be recruiting these kids, you know? So these days are really important, especially for a program like Georgia state. Um, and I, I know this is a Georgia state centric podcast, but especially with the way that Georgia tech is sort of building themselves back up, it's very important that Georgia State remains incredibly relevant in the Metro Atlanta recruiting scheme. Yeah, and kind of to touch on something that both of you actually um, spoke on in previous points you just made, um, you know, the more that I learn about you know, how collegiate recruiting works, the more that I see, like you said, it's all about relationships. And maybe it's because I wasn't paying as close of attention, but it really seems like since Sean Elliott has been here, a renewed um, sense of kind of purpose and direction and kind of um, like uh, genuineness almost, I get from the sense of Coach Elliott and his staff reaching out and they want to be able to go make those connections with kids who, you know, might be uh, hanging on the fringe of, you know, getting an offer 
offer from like a, a power five, like D one program, but they come to Georgia state and we're offering them a place where they can thrive and they get good playing time. And, you know, those relationships are built with events like this junior day, um, getting kids to come out and see, see some of the great things that are happening at Georgia state, seeing some of the facilities, meeting the coaching staff, realizing that this has the potential and in some ways already is, you know, a, uh, a nation, you know, a nationwide class or, you know, world-class facility or whatever, how you want to call it, that can compete eventually, um, you know, with the best in the conference for sure. Um, but those relationships definitely are um, started at the beginning. Um, like you said, where your, your senior season is a whirlwind. Um, absolutely, you know, getting ready for college and, you know, being on pressure to perform as best as you can, then, you know, getting in touch with these kids early and getting out and making that relationship uh, is really important for us because so much of what we do is, you know, Georgia State just by name isn't going to draw the kind of recruits that Georgia Tech does, that isn't going to draw the kind of recruits that Georgia, you know, UGA does. So making those, you know, going the extra mile, making that those connections with these kids is definitely, um, you know, I, something I'm loving seeing from Coach Elliott and his recruiting staff so far. Speaking of the staff, we have some news as regards to a new offensive coordinator. We were hopeful we were going to – we, we we ended last week. We were like, "Let's let's talk about an coordinator hire," and it, it did in fact happen. Uh, Brad, no, I'd like Glenn, to take credit for that. Actually, we spoke that into existence. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Panther Nation. Uh, but, but Brad, Brad Glenn, Glenn, he's 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 got a good track record coming from Western Carolina. You know, go Catamounts. Um, just kidding. Uh, he. It seems the prevailing wisdom is, you know, he is directly responsible for the outbreak of Troy Mitchell, nice little quarterback out there who, you know, in his four-year career, he only had 9,397 yards of total offense. Oh so God. that's, I, I mean, <laughs> okay, I guess that's a lot. Is that a big number? Who knows? Um, you know, and they run a very interesting offense, and we don't have to get into the particulars uh, here because you can go to the thursdaynight.com and read all about our previews and kind of our thoughts on Brad We're going to put something out specifically about what we think he's going to bring to the offense. Yeah. The TLDR, I guess I would just say, I don't know that the system is going to be totally different because I don't think Coach Elliott wants to totally rock the boat on offense. And I mean, that's going to matter because, I mean, it's he's basically like sticking to the formula. He's saying, like, I've got this answer. And so the moves are going to mean that this year means a lot. Definitely does. Super does. And it'll be it'll be fun. You know, like we liked Dan last year and, you know, bringing in a guy who has worked with quarterbacks before and has worked so well with quarterbacks and getting them to be where they need to be is going to it's going to be fun. That's all I'll really have to say now. Go check out our our work, though. Um, Speaking of our work, last thing that we want to preview um, is something that I have been working on um, is just kind of like a breakdown of, you know, some guys that uh, I personally am excited for in the 2019 signing class because these guys are actual Georgia State Panthers now Um, still in high school, um, some early enrollees. But, you know, for now. I think one guy that I'm really looking forward to is Cornelius Brown. Uh, he's a quarterback, 6'5", 182, so, you know, he'll need to add a little bit of weight. Um, I don't want to give too much away uh, of the piece that I've been working on. but Another 
another piece. Yes, definitely got to check online. out the website. Um, but I think one of the things that sticks out to me about Cornelius is his footwork. Um, if he can improve his footwork to match that cannon of an arm, and I'm talking an actual cannon, this guy's going to be a really good college quarterback. So I'm not a scout, mind you, but I think he's going to, he definitely can put the ball exactly where he wants to deep. He can make those touch passes across the field. It's going to be really fun to watch. He's not really mobile. Um, and I mean, that's fine. You know, mobility for mobility's sake is it's whatever in this day and age, but I'm really excited about Cornelius. I just want to touch on one because, you know, getting into the action fun. Uh, the one thing I think that could make our defense just instantly better is defensive line, getting some pass rush consistently. And so I got to go with the high rated, the three star miles Dickens out of Deerfoot beach. Uh, We've kind of got a little pipeline going with that high school, and he was actually a Central Florida commit, notable national champions. <laughs> I'm looking and, at the national championship banner hanging in my office right now, by the way. <laughs> and he came to us late, uh, I want to say the last couple of weeks of recruiting, and it's the bill for a guy who maybe can come in and do something right away, you know, help us out. And I just think that that is the one place where that changes substantively without anything else changing. We're a couple of wins better just because of how much that affects the defensive scheme. And I mean, lastly, uh, you can tell that coach Elliott saw the problems with last year and he recruited very heavy on defense this year. I know, you know, some of these guys are freshmen. They're not going to play this year, but I mean, last year, a lot of freshmen played. So in the event that freshmen have to play this year, you pick the right side of the ball to take care of, you know? So that being said, last thing that we wanted to discuss today was the women's basketball team. And that's right. It is, it is, I I will say it is so fun that this women's basketball team is so fun uh and i i can't speak for anybody else but i have had a pleasure watching them play i haven't gotten to see them as much as i would like to but i definitely have had a pleasure watching them play basketball this year it's been a lot of fun like you've got to go check them out on espn i'm sorry Oh, I was just going to say, like you said, that it's just so much fun being able to have fun watching Georgia State women's basketball again, because I think we can all agree that the last few years just haven't had that much going for us in terms of like things that make me want to come and watch games. And I have intentionally gone and sought out watching Georgia State women's games this year just for the sole intention of watching this team play, because it's so much fun to watch, like you said, David. And it's a nice feeling. It's like a new energy around this team this year with uh, head coach Gene Hill in his first season. The team is 14 and 10. What you know? Well, I know the answer to this question, but do any of you guys remember ever seeing a Georgia State women's team with 14 wins at this point or at any point during the year? The correct answer is no, because the last time this team won more than 14 games was the 2009 to 2010 season when they went 15 and 15. That was before any of us were at Georgia State. Uh, it was the year before I came in. But uh, yeah, this team is the best season they've had in almost 10 years, nine years this year. Um, they did come off of a 62 to 59 loss at South Alabama uh, this weekend. 
but they're poised right now to make some noise in the Sunbelt Tournament. They're ranked fifth in the conference right now uh, prior to this weekend's games. Uh, they're going to be at home versus Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina this weekend on Thursday and Saturday, respectively. Please make an effort. Go out and see this team. See the energy. It's unreal. Like the improvement year to year this team has made versus last year is absolutely insane. These girls are playing their hearts out, and Gene Hill is a really entertaining coach to watch. You owe it to them to go check them out. All right, Panther fans, that's going to do it for another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Thank you for listening. I also want to take this chance to remind you, again, that we're launching our official website, thursdaynight.com. That's T-H-E-R-S-D-A-Y-N-I-G-H-T.com. In addition to finding every episode of the podcast, you'll be able to find game recaps, uh, breakdowns, and other in-depth coverage such as David's 2019 signee review, and then Brady's offensive coordinator breakdown. Uh, And like I said, more content coming in the future. So if you have things something you'd want to see from us uh feel free to use the comment section on the website to let us know but uh for the rest of the crew and myself my name is taylor i'm jordan i'm brady and i'm david uh thanks for listening guys and have a good rest of your thursday